Nick at Night is a production of Council Communications. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to, to the Nick at Night Show. We've got uh, quite a show lined up for you this evening. Everything from shootings in Virginia to, oh, how do I put it, um, controversies within the Conservative Party on the federal side. That's what this guy's sitting here next to me for. I have in studio, as those of you on Facebook Live can see, uh, Joseph Benemy. He was the campaign manager for Brad Trust. And there's been some interesting things develop, and I'll let him get into all that. But first, I just thought I'd kind of set the stage. Uh, the numbers, by the way, if you want to give us a call, because we like phone calls. We're just that way here. Uh, you can call me at 343-700-4390-844-562-4766. You can send me an email to nick at night at late night uh, That'll also garner a response from me, or you can post on Facebook. If you'd like it. So, in other words, any way that you can think of, short of smoke signals or carrier pigeons, uh, to communicate, we're certainly open to. So, with that said, I want to kick it off. Just This is the, last, the only opportunity I'm going to have to talk about Father's Day and the importance of fathers in our society and how it's been pounded on and denigrated uh, over the last few decades um, as far as the significance of the manly role in the life of children. Uh, I know in my own case, I, I wrote a bit of a tribute to my dad on Facebook. You can read I, w- I was going to read it earlier. I thought, nah, I'll let people go to Facebook and they can read it themselves. Uh, about my dad, about, um, oh, I will tell you this much. He was the epitome of wooden shoes, wooden head, and wouldn't listen. Um, oh, by the way, <laughs> if you're trying to call me on Facebook, I can't answer that. You have to call the three the 343-700 number, 343-700-4390. Um, I'm not equipped to take phone calls on on Facebook Live. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't know how to do that. So we'll work on that. Who knows? Maybe we'll blend that in somehow. Uh, anyway, uh, my dad was the epitome of the kind of um, man who uh, he just had everything figured out. And one of the things that used to drive me crazy about him was when I was a younger man, uh, or still a child at home, if you want to put it that way, um, he always knew how to do things. He was never wrong. And it's not that he was never wrong. It's just he'd taken the time to think things through so that when he gave me instructions, he already knew what the outcome was going to be, and he never let me figure it out on my own. Now, that saved him a ton of money because I wasn't always breaking things because he told me how to do it without breaking things. But it did take away from me the opportunity to um, learn how to do things on my own, if I can put it that way. Um. One of the things that I took from that as I got older was how to use that, what I saw as a mistake on his part, and turn that around so that when I give my kids job, and there's a classic story I love to tell, and if he's listening, um, I don't know if Jordan's listening or not, but too bad. Um, (laughs) He's going to have to suffer through this one more time. Uh, A few years ago, we were on the farm. And uh, my motto became, give them the tools they need, give them clear instructions about what you want done, and then walk away and let them do it. So we were putting up an outdoor riding ring, 
and my niece and I, Marie, were sitting next to a pile of logs. There was cedar, and we were stripping off the bark. And if you, if you cut a cedar tree down, if you strip the bark off right away, it comes off really easily. If you let them sit for a couple of months and the bark dries out, then you got to wait a couple of years for it to fall off. So it's a lot easier to do it when it's green. So he had another load of about 30 or 40 of these logs for us on a little 8-foot-long trailer. Now, for those of you who have never backed up a trailer before, the shorter the trailer, the harder it is. And the, when you're steering and you're trying to back up, you have to react. Even If that thing even thinks like it's going to go one way or the other, you have to be putting in input in the steering wheel right away. So I told him what I wanted to do. I told him where I needed the logs. He had the tractor. He had the wagon. He had everything he needed to get the job done. And the only piece of advice I gave him was a little bit too soon is better than a lot too late. So then I walked down, and I'm sitting with Marie, and we're laughing because we can hear the tractor rolling back a few feet, rolling forward again, straightening up, rolling back a few feet, a lot of cursing, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of words that he probably shouldn't have known at that age, <laughs> came floating down out of the bush as he was frustrated by this little trailer. It was, like I said, it's only eight feet long, so it's really hard to back up straight. Finally, after about 40 minutes, he had enough of it out of the bush that he could swing the tractor around and bring it down. And it was funny because when he came down, I looked up at him and I said, you know what I mean now about a little bit too soon versus a lot too late? Yes. But you know how to back up a trailer now? Yes. And it's a lesson he's never forgot. And I learned that because my dad uh, didn't allow me to do that. So even when he was, uh, you know, when he made an error uh, or he made a mistake in how to teach people, he was teaching me. And I still look at him today as my hero because I'll tell you what, there was never a man, I've never met anybody with more integrity and more courage than he had. And I'm not saying that because he, he's dad. That's just the fact that was just the truth. And I was very fortunate to be his son. So with that, I wanted to give a, a shout out to all, all of you fathers out there. Uh, I certainly hope you had one with the kind of backbone that mine had because in his day, it wasn't all that rare. Sadly, today... We don't have many men like that left. And those that are out there are too busy, you know, um, raising families and just being good, solid, honest men to ever enter into the world of politics. And that's part of the problem. So with that, a salute to fathers uh, today because I won't be on the air, of course, on Sunday when Father's Day is. All right. Now, uh, I'm going to take a quick little break. When we get back, Joseph is here and we're going to get into this whole Brad Trost thing. Um we're going to talk about what the allegations are. I'm going to get him to lay the table so people understand the lingo because I think with animals like he and I, when we're so politically, uh, you know, we, we eat this stuff for breakfast, we know what these little terms mean. Like, what does it mean to have a salted list? So I'll get him to explain that to you. So you have an understanding of what it is that's going on from a layman's point of view. All right, with that said, I have to do this. You guys stay right there. I'll be right back with more. All right, we seem to be having a little technical challenge here with the iPad. All right, I don't know if anybody actually heard that commercial. So what I'm going to do... Now, it's funny that worked. Oh, you know why? I just figured it out. I just figured it out. Okay, so let's start this again.
<laughs> I know what I did wrong. distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist 613-835-2600. All right, it is giving me grief because I can't get the music to quit when I want it to. All right, with that said, we'll deal with that and uh, get that solved here shortly. In the meantime, welcome, Joseph. It's a pleasure to see you again. Good to be with you again, Nick. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is Joseph Benemi. He was um, the um, campaign manager and longtime political strategist within conservative circles, but he worked for Brad Trost in this last, in this last campaign yeah, run. Tr- Trost. I say, I'm saying Trost, aren't I? Yes, you are. That's bad. I should say. Well, trust. I wouldn't say it's bad. Actually, it's 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 disturbingly common. <laughs> but no, no. It, Brad, Brad would never correct you, but but just lately we've been on a campaign to to get people to say say toast, as in toast. Toast. Okay, so toast with an R. That's it. All right. Well, all right. As I said before the break, um, lay out the groundwork for us. Uh, tell us first of all what kind of uh, okay, what's this list that everybody's talking about? Let's let's okay, start so there. Let's start with the basics. Let's, let's yeah, that's right. Let's let's go to the beginning of the of the the melodrama. Um, uh, I feel like I'm in some kind of a soap opera. Uh, so, soap opera, Twilight Zone, Franz Kafka novel, all mixed into one. Uh, by the way, before before I get into it, yeah. I just have to say, um, uh, like for people who have heard me on the radio or on your show before. Or not, <laughs> actually getting to see me for the first time they're going who is that crazy guy with a big beard so, yeah and who's that, that? <laughs> um uh, anyway uh oh, so so let's let's start from the beginning yep please um for those who aren't aware of this controversy about uh, membership lists of the conservative party and uh, salting and trading in lists etc so you uh, as you mentioned i was uh, the uh, campaign manager for for the Brad Trost leadership ca- campaign, uh, and uh, as part of, of a leadership campaign, the political party um, uh, uh, compiles a list of members um, who get to vote in the election, the leadership election. Um, and so, as the campaign was going on, uh, and uh, and and especially towards the end. Uh, the party circulated to all, uh, was it 13 or, I've forgotten already, 13 or 14 candidates. Oh, does it matter? Uh, it was it was either 13 or 14 candidates in the end that were on the, the final ballot. Uh, a lot of candidates, I have to mm-hmm. tell you. So uh, each candidate was given a copy of the, um, the list, the uh, party membership list, the party voters list. 
uh, and uh, and now the allegation is that uh, an outside organization, uh, the National Firearms Association, uh, somehow uh, obtained a copy of uh, of the party membership list, uh, and this was uh, if if the if the party membership list was given to the National Firearms Association. Uh, by a campaign that would be a violation of the uh, of the the leadership election rules, uh, and uh, uh, and in any event, it's it's a, a violation of the uh, of the privacy of of, of the members. So uh, where did this allegation come from that they had obtained this list? Well, it came from the fact that people who were members of the party uh, started getting after the campaign was over. Uh, uh, mail solicitation uh, from the National Firearms Association, uh, and uh, and enough people complained that it became obvious that it, it that it was it was a Conservative Party membership list. Okay, so that's laying the, the, the first stage in the groundwork. All right. So what does it mean then when they hear about these lists? People have been throwing the language around about assaulted. And I don't mean physically assaulted. I mean like, you know, a prepared assaulting, list, assaulted assaulting list. Assaulting list. S-A-L-T-I-N-G. Right. Versus A-S-S-U. Right. Okay. So um, because we want to protect the privacy of, of the members of, these, of, the, of the, the party uh, and, uh, and we want to be able to trace the source of uh, these lists, uh, we practice, and this has been done for decades now, um, the People who uh, administer these lists will insert into the different lists that are distributed to individual campaigns uh, some false data. And the false data, it might be, let's say, uh, a, an invented name at a particular post office box. Okay. Or it might be a name spelled a certain way sent to a, another mailing address. Or it might be a... a um, a, a made-up email address. So there's little clues built into the list, so they know right. from whence the list comes should it be leaked. That's correct. I got gotcha. you. Okay, so uh, it, last last week, I guess it's a little more than last week now, it would have been uh, the uh, 3rd of June, um, we received notice from the Conservative Party that the list that was being used by the National Firearms Association was, in fact, the list that the party had given to the Brad Trost campaign. So, in other right. words, uh, it contained the unique false data uh, that was inserted into the membership list provided to the Brad Trost campaign. So, it was the Brad Trost membership list. Right. Um, uh, and, and this was very disturbing to us. We, we obviously... Uh, we're upset to find out that our list had been leaked to somebody, uh, and uh, we take this very seriously, and we immediately launched a, an investigation internally to find out what was going on, uh, because we certainly didn't authorize a transfer of any data to any outside organization. So um, this was, the third was Saturday. Over the Saturday and Sunday, we conducted uh, very extensive interviews with the individuals on our campaign, campaign staff and senior volunteers who had access to the data. And after those discussions, uh, we were pretty satisfied that the list, that none of them had leaked the list. Okay. Okay, so I had provided the list to anybody. But we went further. We uh, examined uh, our communications uh, data, uh, logs and records. 
we uh, we examined, we reviewed our security procedures, both uh, for well for internal distribution of data and moving data around. We examined the security logs and the uh, uh, and the uh, all of the other uh, data transfer logs, etc., uh, with our database, uh, and we couldn't find any evidence uh, that a, a transfer of data had even occurred. We couldn't find any evidence that our system had been hacked in any way. Uh, so we went back to the party late Sunday night on the, the 4th of June. We wrote back to them and we said, well, we've done, we've taken all of these steps. We're, uh, again, we obviously we're concerned. Um, can you please provide us with the information that you have above and beyond the fact that it's the Brad Trost list, quote unquote. Right. Um, that would lead you to the conclusion that, that our potentially our campaign had actually leaked the list. Okay. Now, something something occurs to me is obviously you guys had the list. Mm -hmm. And since it's the, specifically the Brad Trust list, mm -hmm. other than the campaign headquarters, like the, the – the, um, when I say headquarters, that's not what I mean. I mean the, the, um, uh, the head office for the, the whole campaign – um, who else would have access to the list? Like, where would it come from if not from you? Well, you're you're, you're jumping ahead a couple of steps. Oh, okay. okay so, right. if you'll bear with me for a minute, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll I'll get to that. Okay. Uh, so so just to back up a teensy bit. Mm -hmm. So on the fourth of June, we notified the party that we had conducted this investigation. We'd taken these steps. Uh, we couldn't find any evidence of any leak. We were satisfied that uh, nothing had been transferred. Uh, um, we, frankly, we were very satisfied that nothing had been even transferred without our knowledge illegally, uh, because that's always a possibility. So we asked the party to, to give us the um, information that they had, uh, leading them to point the finger at us. Did they have anything more than simply the fact that it was the Brad Trost list? Uh, we we never heard, we never received a reply to that request. So we never we never have had any. Uh, information, any evidence uh, supporting any allegations uh, presented to us. Um, so that was a Sunday night. On Thursday late afternoon, I received a phone call from a reporter at CBC. Uh, and the reporter at CBC informed me that LEOC, the, which stands for Leadership, um, Leadership Election Organizing Committee, which okay. is the the governing committee of the leadership race was meeting that evening, uh, and uh, they quoted to me some information that was made it clear that that they had somebody had leaked them uh, the letter that we had sent back to the party requesting more information, uh, and uh, they wanted to know what you know what was the situation, what was our our view, etc. So I was a little taken aback. Uh, to, first of all, I was taken aback to hear that there was a meeting of LEOC on Thursday night. Right. Uh, that would have been the 8th of June, uh, and that we hadn't been notified about it. Um, so, you know, I, I, so I answered the questions that the reporters asked me, uh, you know, and they were, they were pretty easygoing. They just wanted to know a little bit of process. Uh, um, what's going on? Uh, did you, you know, we hear that it was uh, potentially you that was fingered for leaking the list. Uh, I explained, well, no, we, we looked into it, we, uh, we didn't leak the list, um, and, uh, and besides, we're not the only people that have access to the list. 
the, the other party that has access to the list is party headquarters. Because <laughs> this is why the I was asking. That, they were the ones that created the list in the first place, including inserting the, the data. And uh, so, uh, but we, we, we let it go. We didn't say anything to anybody. There was a, a bit of a story in the, in the, in the press the next, uh, later that evening, and, and I think there might have been something the next day. Still didn't hear anything back from the party. And then we were just traveling into Toronto on late Friday afternoon uh, to attend some meetings in, in Toronto uh, over the weekend. Uh, so this would have been the 9th of June, and we received an email from the party saying that they had uh, had their, uh, 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 their whatever their meeting was, decided that it, we, it had been us that leaked the list, and they fined us, and, and informing us that we'd been fined $50,000. Now, just, okay, because I've heard that figure before. And that was last fall when candidates had to register by putting up $50,000 um, for uh, just to stay in the race. Yeah, the, the registration fee uh, to be in the race was $50,000 plus a refundable deposit or a bond, a cash bond of $50,000 to ensure um, that... Good behavior. That, well, good behavior, but a compliance uh, bond... Uh, to ensure that we all followed the rules and and that the the committee had the right to fine us if they had their their meeting and decided that we had broken the rules, so um, so they've already got the money. Yes, they have the money. Uh, they it's not they're not saying we have to pay them fifty thousand dollars. What they're basically saying is you're not getting that money our back. campaign has forfeited our entire bond. Uh, so. I, I think it's fair to say that we were uh, unhappy about that. We uh, we were particularly yeah. particularly troubled by the fact that uh, the that LEOC, again the LEOC, the Leadership Election Organizing Committee, um, had held what amounted to a secret trial. Uh, we still hadn't received any evidence to support the allegation that we had leaked the uh, the list. We um, are prepared to accept, I guess at face value, uh, the fact that the list that uh, the National Firearms Association was using was in fact the Brad Trost list. Um, but short of that being, I guess, a fact, and they say I haven't even seen that evidence, it's right. never been presented to me, but I don't see any reason why the party would simply invent that out of the air. So, no. uh, but, but besides that, there's no evidence that's been presented to us in support of the allegation that our campaign leaked, knowingly or unknowingly, um, uh, the list. Uh, so, and then and then we were never given an opportunity to present our side of anything or to refute in testimony the evidence. We were never given the opportunity to uh, to fully explain the extent of, of any investigation that we had done. Uh, they simply, uh, in secret, met. Um, uh, had some kind of deliberation over some evidence that nobody mm -hmm. knows what it is, uh, and and decided that we were guilty, and uh, they fined us fifty thousand dollars. This sounds an awful. It has a really familiar ring to it, and it sounds like the kind of things that have been going on here in Ontario under under Patrick Brown. Now, well, maybe not in 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 you know specific detail and exactly in the same shape and form, but this kind of underhanded, sneaky, behind your back without consultation kind of nonsense is brought is what's caused brought, uh, Patrick Brown all kinds of grief here in Ontario. 
are they taking a page out of his book, or am I just over being over oversensitive about it? Well, you know, it's 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 pretty hard. It's pretty hard to argue with what you're saying. Um, you know, normally I would say I don't think so, um, but so much has gone on over the past week to ten days that uh, I I just don't I don't know what's going on in terms of agendas. I, I think it's obvious that there's an agenda here. Uh, I can speculate, and and you know maybe as the evening wears on, I will speculate some. Now, um, just to answer some questions that are popping up on Facebook Live here, this is we're talking about the Conservative Party of Canada. Uh, so this is a federal level, and that's why I was referring to it sounds a lot like what's going on with the conservatives here in Ontario. Right. Now, okay, let's talk about we, – we now have a pretty good understanding of what happened. Let's talk about, first of all, why uh, you – because I read the CBC article. I think the one the reporter was talking to you about, uh, the, one, the one that CBC put out here – was it today or yesterday? I forget exactly when there, it came there, out. There, there was a report today, yes. Was there? Okay. So I knew I'd read it recently. Anyway, the, the point was, uh, who if, if somebody were to put this out, uh, why does it not make sense? Like, okay, from a layman's point of view, the kind of guy who watches news once, you know, politics once every two weeks, uh, for two weeks, once every four or five years, why wouldn't Brad put this out? Okay, so so let me give you the three reasons why it wasn't the Brad Trost campaign. Okay, I guess maybe that's what I'm asking okay, for. Sure, sure. Well, you know, or four reasons, because I guess the best, best reason is because, uh, you know, we're honest, honorable, ethical people, uh, and we don't do things like that. We don't break the rules. Uh, I, I know there are people out there who go, well, politicians, politics, of course they break the rules. Well, we really don't. Not every politician does that. Most politicians, in fact, don't. Um, and... Uh, uh, Brad Trost uh, is a very straight-laced uh, uh, member of Parliament. Um, he would never tolerate such a thing, and uh, neither would I uh, from any of our staff or volunteers. Uh, and and we had a very small and experienced campaign team, uh, and uh, you know we're very selective in the people that we bring into the process. So just in principle, for starters, uh, we, we wouldn't engage in that. But, but don't take my word for it. <laughs> okay. okay. Don't take my word for it. All right. Um, there are three other reasons why it wasn't the Brad Trost campaign that leaked the list. Uh, the first is, as I said, we had a small and very experienced campaign team. We all know that the list is salted. It's standard practice. Nobody has to write down, send us a letter saying, oh, by the way, don't cheat. Don't break the rules because the list is salted. Now, I'm sure there were some young people at party headquarters that we're all excited and think that we're very clever uh, in salting these lists and thinking, okay, we're going to catch them, okay. Uh, well, you're not going to catch us because we already know they're, that they're salted. And it, almost 260,000 names on the list. There's no way that we would know who, what the false data is. Yeah, of course not. So the well, bottom that's the whole line reason is this. You use it. So, so the bottom line is this. We would have to be colossally stupid to leak our own list because because we would know that it would come right back trace be traced right back to us already so if we were going to leak a list it wouldn't be our list <laughs> okay somebody else's and list. from what i've been able to garner and understand about this story there was no benefit to brad even if you wanted to leak it okay so what's the benefit so that's that's point number two point number two is that um uh 
there's no quid pro quo. There's no, um, there, the, the, the value in a campaign leaking the list is that they get some something back from the people to whom the list was provided. Uh, and in this case, the, uh, the quid pro quo would have been, I believe, the uh, endorsement uh, or top ranking from the National Firearms Association with respect to the candidate's position on firearms rights and, and, and sensible firearms law and regulation. Right. Um, uh, we thought we had a very good position. Our candidate, Brad, had some ver a very good position on this, these issues. He's a, a firearms owner himself. Uh, you know, he's been around guns his whole life. Uh, he's very responsible, and he, he believes that people have the right to own and use firearms responsibly. Right, of course. Right? Um, well, the National Firearms Association ranked us with a B, and I believe it was fourth place. So what was the quid pro quo? There's nothing. There's no quid pro quo. So that's two. And three is um, even if somebody said, well, maybe the, the data was uh, obtained from you illegally and without your knowledge, uh, there's no evidence of it. I mean, there's no reason why we would hide the fact that we were hacked if there was evidence that we'd been hacked. But there is no evidence. Okay, so I shrug my shoulders, and this is, I guess, the conclusion of all of this, or, you know, part part one conclusion, let's call it that. All right. Is that it, to the degree that there's any evidence, and at this stage it would be circumstantial evidence, it all points towards the leak originating with the party from party headquarters. Okay, so i got to take a break and, pl and play a uh, commercial. When we come back, let's, we can, and maybe it's nothing more than speculation, but we'll talk about why the party would think this is a good idea or some, certain persons within the party with the, the ability to do this. What would lead them to do that? I realize that's probably speculation. I, we can't read people's minds, but... I just don't understand why anybody would do that. So we'll we'll let you respond to that right after this. So for those of you on Facebook and on the radio, uh, on on online, stay right there. We'll be right back with more right after this. ...of the Greater Ottawa Truckers Association, the voice of independent truckers in the Ottawa area, and proud supporters of Nick at Night. Every day we go to work to help build a better eastern Ontario, and safety is our top priority. Every start of the shift, our drivers perform inspections on their truck, so we ensure that our drivers go home to their families each night, and you, the public, have confidence that the big truck beside you is safe. If you have any issues relating to any size truck, I encourage you to contact me at 613-738-1639. Let's build a better, fatality-free Ottawa together. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspec distributor for the Greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. All right. So my guest this evening is Joseph Benemy. He is the campaign chair for the Brad Trost campaign. 
And uh, he, we've been talking about this whole uh, leaked list uh, controversy. Yes, it's on. <laughs> I, I think the gain's up pretty high. Oh, it probably is a little hot. Just let me see if I can turn that down just a little bit. i got to find the right one, see if that helps. I think that, that – I, I don't – No, no, that's the wrong one. <laughs> I'll just keep playing with this till we get it. Let's try that one. Okay. No, I don't mm-hmm. think that's it either. See, I just keep turning knobs till I get it all screwed up. Uh, let's see. Um, how's that? Um, that sounds better. Sound better? Yeah, I think so. Okay, great. I think we're cool. See, you learn on the fly. If you're not flexible, if you can't learn on the fly in this job, you come back next week and try again. <laughs> all right. So, uh, as we were talking about before, what is the advantage? Uh, like, since it it seems to be. The evidence is pointing towards head office. Or somebody in head office. That's what I mean. And when I say head office, okay, that's too broad a stroke. Uh, someone in head office, maybe with an axe to grind, maybe they saw a chance to score you know, uh, a political points somehow. Maybe they sold it for cash. There's a, a million reasons. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean – who knows why people do things? I'm, I'm not focused on that. I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody else. I, I don't have evidence, um, you know, short of what I've already laid out, uh, that uh, that that uh, uh, somebody at party headquarters or anywhere else did it. I'm just saying that if, on the strength of the circumstantial evidence that exists, the strength it, it would it would seem more reasonable to say that the uh, list was leaked from party headquarters. So. Fine, uh, investigate party headquarters, but but the party didn't do that. Uh, the party didn't in, in, the party didn't c- conduct a proper investigation. Period. Uh, and uh, and given the fact that party uh, uh, staff uh, had access to the exactly the same list, um, you would think that the party would conduct some kind of an investigation. Uh, if you accept, you know, that the party has the capacity to investigate itself. Uh, I don't know. And this is really, I think, what's gotten under my skin. What's really gotten under my skin, and, you know, for anyone who's heard me speak about this or has read anything in the press, um, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious that that this has really annoyed me. Um, and, uh, uh, and of course, uh, um, you know, I, I, it's, uh, I'm not that easily annoyed. But the issue is, from my perspective, due process. Our political party is a party that believes in the rule of law. We believe in law and order. We believe in principles such as innocent until proven guilty. We believe in in fairness and justice. So all I'm saying is, shouldn't we have due process here? And if we're following due process, there's no way that we would have been fined and we wouldn't now have to be jumping through all of these hoops and there wouldn't be a conflict between the party... um, um, uh, administration uh, and us. And, and and let me stress that this is not Brad Trost campaign versus the new leader, Andrew Scheer. Um, you know, Andrew won the, uh, the election fair and square. It was a, it was a, a hotly contested campaign, uh, but he was elected by the party membership. There it is. He's the leader. Um, and uh, we're loyal to the leader. Um, uh, we support him. We want to help him be successful we want to uh, to do our part to help the party win the, the next election uh, and and replace uh, the Justin Trudeau led Liberals. 
that's what our, our responsibility is. Uh, that's what our commitment is. So this isn't, uh, this isn't on uh, Andrew Scheer. Um, uh, you know, this is on what I would say almost rogue elements within the party administration uh, that are overstepping their 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 uh, um, uh, their rights authority. or their responsibilities uh, or their authority, uh, and doing things that are, on the very face of it, simply unjust and 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 I would say, unconservative. Yeah, and it's too bad too because this is at a time when, uh, especially with the um, with the uh, campaign freshly behind us, you know, everything's still fresh in everybody's minds. And Mr. Shear has a, a a task in front of him to bind the party together now. After because every time you do this, when you've got that many different people running for leadership, you're going to have that many different camps, all of them with their own agenda that they want to put forward. So he has to find a way to to bind them all together into one cohesive group. And now is not the time to have this kind of squabble. Uh, because as of, has already happened, the, the press has gotten a hold of it, and you know what the liberals and the and the other are, let's say, the conservative opponents to conservatism are going to do with this, right? You know, and they're not going to be kind and they're not going to be nice about it. So this is totally unnecessary from my perspective. So, so whatever, and again, on the, the term I'm using right now is 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 rogue elements within the leadership election organizing committee, um, and. And you know the the Leoc, we forget to it by the name we use, uh, is leaking like a sieve. We have a pretty good idea of what's going on uh, there. Who's uh, saying what? Who's pushing one agenda and who's pushing a pushing back? And uh, you know, I'm not going to get into what uh, what's been leaked to us and the details. But I think that uh, I think that it's clear that some people um, uh, on the leadership uh, election committee um, uh, who have uh, Pushed this uh, this agenda and pushed this fine forward and uh, etc. And, and didn't conduct the investigation and you know didn't inform us of the meeting. Um, I I think I think it's pretty clear that they have an agenda. Um, I I don't know for certain what that agenda is, uh, but what I do know with absolute certainty is that uh, this kind of of, of rogue behavior uh, isn't just uh, hurting uh, Brad Trost. Um, it's uh, it's hurting the leader. And it's undermining the authority of our leader, uh, and uh, and and it's 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 time to put it like, uh, stop, put a stop to it. So, all right. So since we've we've come this far, let's talk about what your options are because the the party has the money, or the leadership Leoc, as you put it, has the money. Uh, they just, according to them, you've been uh, you have been weighed, measured, and found found wanting, and they're going to keep fifty thousand dollars of your money. Right, and it's up to you to try to find a way to get it back. Well, what what we haven't done is we haven't uh, uh, we've uh, I, I think we've made it clear to everybody that we don't accept this uh, this uh, verdict. corrupt verdict, yeah. um, uh, and uh, uh, we uh, we've played by the rules. We've filed all of our papers as as per the rules. We've jumped through all the hoops. We've satisfied all of the administrative requirements with uh, the party and with Elections Canada. Um, pardon the pun, but everything from our perspective remains kosher. Uh, and uh, and so uh, the, uh, the party was scheduled to refund those deposits to all of the campaigns on the 15th of June, which is tomorrow. And uh, we're just going ahead with the expectation that we're going to receive the refund 
as scheduled. If we don't, then there are a number of options that we have open to us. Um, we have been consulting with legal counsel. Um, uh, there is apparently a, 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 an appeal process within the party that allows us to challenge the decision of LEOC. Um, speaking for myself, um, I'm very reluctant to give any credibility to the original decision by formally applying uh, uh, for uh, an appeal and going through an appeal process, as far as I was, con- as far as I'm concerned, the original decision uh, was was invalid, uh, and uh, and I, I'd rather not give it any credibility. But you know, um, I guess in the interest of 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 saying that we've done it, we want to lay it everything out again. Um, yeah, then that one of the options of certainly is uh, to. Uh, um, to go through the, the appeal process, whatever that is, because it hasn't been properly defined. So we're we're trying to determine what that process is to, uh, as well. Um, so, you know, that's an option as well. Uh, and, you know, at this stage, it, and it's important to understand, you know, we ran a pretty tight ship financially. Uh, we uh, had a budget. We stuck with our budget. We stuck with our budget. We lived within our means. Uh, and part of the, uh, of the budget included... Uh, receiving back the uh, the fifty thousand dollar deposit, mm-hmm. um, and so if uh, now that the party has put us in a position where we're not getting that back, uh, or or at least we're not getting it back for the time being, presumably we'll have to wait and see what the outcome is tomorrow. Okay. Uh, then uh, now we have a problem where where we we we're, we're running about fifty or sixty thousand dollars short uh, on our campaign uh, through no fault of our own. Uh, and uh, so now I have to go out and we have to go out and we have to raise money to make sure that all of our contractors uh, and suppliers and and, uh, uh, and and people who have, well, you have um, to pay the bills. out-of-pocket expenses are, are, are properly repaid. So, um, so for, for us, it's, uh, there are a whole wide range of, of problems and, and issues that we have to deal with. And, of course, if I have to start going out to the party membership and soliciting donations – well, I'm going to have to tell them, you know, full disclosure. This is what the problem is, um, and uh, uh, you know, and and I and I suspect that there are going to be a whole lot of grassroots party members who haven't necessarily been following this issue, who are going to be asking some very tough questions. They're going to be asking tough questions from our campaign, um, and I'm going to answer them honestly uh, and be open and forthright to the best of my ability. Uh, and I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that there's any reason why uh, we should have to put the party and, and upset members this way. But um, look, you know, I'm I'm just I'm just playing the cards that I was well, dealt. This is your this is not only a, this is a, a, an assault on the integrity of the people who ran the campaign, not just you, but there was. Uh, you know, there was four or five of you that were involved in, in running that office and making sure that everything was done correctly and right. that the campaign followed the rules. Right. This is an attack against their credibility and against their integrity. It is, uh, for sure. And uh, again, uh, you know, we, we, we I, I keep on saying this, uh, but it's, it's really important that people understand this, that uh, when, when, when it became apparent that, that, the, that there was a, a, a list that had been provided to the National Firearms Association, um, uh, you know, the, the party has every right and, and more than that, every responsibility to, to follow up with that. Um, uh, they take it seriously. We take it seriously as well. So to the extent that there were any questions about 
um, uh, the use of the list by anyone on our campaign. Uh, we were very cooperating with the party. We were very open. Um, uh, we, uh, I, I like to think that we were nothing but helpful. So uh, when when suddenly um, uh, we were no longer receiving communications on this issue from the party, uh, and 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 then they convened a secret meeting. I mean, that's really when things really went south. And uh, you know, I could sit around and say, "Well, it's the way it is, and let's hush it up and let's put it under, sweep it under the rug, etc." But uh, but you know, when I think about that, I go, "No, that's that's we." We, we expect to govern this country at some point in time. Surely to goodness we should be behaving better within our own organization. And if we can't behave properly um, uh, and, uh, and, and, and deal with these things in, a, in an open uh, and accountable way and, um, and be accountable to our members and, uh, and, and, and treat you know, accusations in a way that, that you know, is, is consistent with natural justice and you know, on and on and on, I can... I can continue to come up with all of the cliches and that you can think of uh, on this uh, on this subject. Uh, the bottom line is that what the party did and and the process that the party undertook to do it was wrong. Um, and you know, if they want to continue to have a discussion about it, we want to all get to the bottom of what happened. Well, you know, fine. Uh, refund us our money, uh, and uh, and uh, let's start at the beginning and let's have a proper, open uh, investigation. Uh, into what went on, you don't want to investigate it. You know that's your that's your choice. All I'm all I can tell you with absolute certainty is that we did not the the, the list in question did not get leaked from our campaign. All right. With that, I have to take a, a quick break, play another few commercials, and uh, we'll be back with the uh, final segment with Joseph. There's a few other things on the table we can talk about as well. So if you want, give us a call at three four three seven zero zero four three nine zero. 844-562-4766. Uh, we would glad to take your phone call. If you're watching on Facebook Live, uh, you'll, you've quickly figured out that both Joseph and I have a great face for radio. Uh, <laughs> so you listen to this, and we'll be back with more right after this. to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them council sent you. That'll make them smile. For 17 years I've been taking my for 17 years I for 17 years I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches. But fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them council sent you. That'll make them smile. Yeah, that's what happens when you hit the wrong button. (laughs) I love this job. All right. Okay, Joseph Benemy, he's got we've got him for another another ten minutes or so before he has to rush off. So before I before I get to that 
Yes. Question. I know what you want to talk about, but I, I just want to say one more thing about this whole thing. Sure, go ahead. Okay. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the party and lists and stuff like that, but uh-huh. you know what? Um, uh, I, I, I have to say the, the National Firearms Association, one of a handful of uh, gun rights lobby groups, um, um, in, in the country or, uh-huh. or advocacy groups in the country, they had to know that they were obtaining a list. Um, I'm not going to say illegally, but but certainly that it was not. They were not authorized to have this list. It was private information, and I ha- I do want to say this. Okay, uh, I as as a guns gun rights advocate myself, mm-hmm. I'm frankly appalled by uh, by the behavior of this organization. Um, I I find it shocking that they would engage in this kind of activity. Um, I think that they give um, responsible gun owners a bad name, uh, and uh, and if there's anyone out there who uh, is a member of this association, uh, they should uh, write a letter to the president or the executive director or whatever the, the the head is, and or make a phone call and say this is not acceptable from an organization that I support, and if this is not corrected properly, uh, and this kind of behavior is not to- is, is 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 not stopped immediately. Um, uh, then uh, I'm I'm out. Uh, give me my money back. Wow! Um, I it's it's just plain wrong. It's easy for me to say the party is acting wrong. Yeah. And I think they are. Uh, but but it would be dere- I would be derelict if I wasn't also pointing out that this this organization uh, itself is acting like a rogue organization, uh, and uh, they're they're undermining the credibility of of, of the arguments and uh, that that. Uh, uh, that uh, responsible gun owners uh, uh, have, and uh, for sure, for sure, I think uh, members of this organization should be on the phone, and they should be demanding answers why this kind of behavior is going on in their name. Well, those are some very good questions, and you make a very good point because if they had received information they knew they were not uh, entitled to, they should have dealt with it in some other way such as not taking it not taking it first of all and if if it you know the the best thing to do is just say I'm not playing that game I'm not getting involved don't you dare give that thing to me you know I don't want it that would have been the well, the right course of action people people have the right to privacy and I you know I might you say there's too much of all groups you'd think they'd know that well precisely I mean does it, that it, word it, high river come to mind it 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 undermines the integrity of of the, the arguments they make in favor of of, of of the rights of responsible firearms owners, um, so uh, this is this this has done incredible damage, I think, to the the responsible firearms rights movement. Um, uh, you know, because these guys speak for a large number of people, and and the members of the organization, I think, need to to uh, hold their the leadership of the organization that they support financially accountable. Okay, so there's because it sounds sounds like you and I could talk about that all night. But there is another issue here in the last few minutes of the before we hit the top of the hour that I do want to discuss with you, and that is the recent law voted on unanim- that was passed unanimous- unanimously here in, in Ontario about uh, the state being able to take children out of homes if the parents and I forgive forgive me I forget the number of the law because every law has a bill number. 89, Bill 89. Bill 89. I knew knew right away what you were referring to. I had a feeling you might because I think you and I share the same attitude about this law. Um, First of all, they they have the right to come in if parents do not support 
the gender identity of the day of their child. And I say that that way specifically because if you have a 10-year-old who says, Mommy, I want to be a boy, you're not allowed under this law to say, don't be silly. You are a boy. And that's just the way God puts you together. Right. And if you don't, you know, you can, you can, doesn't matter how you feel about it, that's the truth. They have scrapped the idea of use, having religion play a role in the formation of a person's sexuality. And it seems to me like it's open season on Christian parents and foster parents mm. who now are told by the state that if you don't follow the state religion, if I can use that phrase, uh, we, can, we have the authority because you're not acting in the best interest of the child uh, the way that we define it, then th this to me is one of the most draconian laws I've ever heard of. Well, uh just you know, just to, to to put it in perspective, I think it's important to remember that that the the government, through its particular agencies, uh, has for a very long time had the right to intervene in uh, in families uh, to protect children. So and, in that res in that yep. respect, it's 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 not a new law. Uh, what what this law does is it adds um, uh, it amends existing legislation to add into the uh, criteria for which a child might be removed from his or her home, uh, uh, issues surrounding gender identity, uh, gender identification, um, gender expression. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to be offensive to anybody. I'm saying I don't really know what, uh, all, how all of these things are defined because the government hasn't precisely defined many of the terms that that they're using. So uh, it is problematic. Um, uh, the uh, the government now uh, sanctions and uh, the medical profession, and not all medical practitioners, I should say, but uh, but there are some pretty, uh, pretty serious things that are going on in the medical world. Uh, and one of them is that, you know, uh, ch ch children now uh, as young as three and four years old and five years old, and, you know, I raised four, four children. And I know, Nick, you've raised uh, or in the process of raising uh, a whole lot more than four children. Oh, twice that many, yeah. <laughs> yeah, eight children. So you know that children uh, of this age, um, uh, they they often say things that, uh, you know, mommy, I want to be a boy. Mommy, I want to be a girl. Uh, mommy uh, or dad, uh, um, why am I different? Yeah. So these are actually normal things. But now uh, what's happening is that uh, some some people in the medical and psychiatric professions are saying, well, that's an indication of, and therefore we need to support them in pursuing that uh, to the point where, where young children as, as young as three and four years old are, are actually being exposed now to uh, therapy to help them to transition or begin the process of transitioning uh, from being a boy to a girl or a girl to a boy. Uh, I, I think that's very disturbing, and this law allows now the government authorizes them to use that criteria uh, as uh, a potential evidence of child abuse or, or neglect or whatever, and gives them the authority to step in. All right, let's take a phone call. And here we go. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. This is Jessica McAvoy. Hi, Jesse. Is it? Did you say Jessica? It's first? Jessica, yeah. Jessica. Hi, welcome to the Nick and Night Show. Glad you called. Hi. Um, I'm just here to say that Brad Cross, he would never leak anything like that, or he wouldn't leak anything. 
he is a very good, honest man, and he has a wonderful wife, and I really think that he is a good guy. Well, I think there's a lot of people who would tend to agree with that assessment, don't you, Joseph? I, well, I if, if I didn't think that, Jessica, I would never have worked with him. He's by far and away the uh, the most ethical, uh, honest um uh, politician that that I've ever had the the pleasure and honor of working with, but you must have met him. Did yep, you I did. Yeah, yeah, and you mm-hmm. so you, you yeah. liked him, and you liked his his family. Uh, I didn't meet his family, but I did meet him. Okay, all right. So, well, listen, Jessica, thank you very much. I'm, I have to let you go because we're almost out of time, uh, but you can call again anytime. It's been a pleasure talking to you. All righty. All right. Have a good night, Jessica. Bye. 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 All right. Uh, it's always nice to get those those calls. Um, anyway, <clears throat> she's right. He, he, you know, um, Brad is unique among. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, say he's I was unique. just going to say probably... maybe rare. Brad Brad Tross caliber people are rare in politics today. Well, and and you know, here here's a person that. Uh, that actually didn't even run, want to run for the leadership. Uh, you know, I, I've known Brad for a long time, and, uh, uh, and I and a few of my colleagues had talked to him uh, in the uh, springtime of uh, last year before, uh, before he decided to run. And, 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 in fact, he was quite emphatic. We asked him, you know, would you be interested in it? What do you think? And he was very emphatic. No, no, no. Never going to happen. Sorry, not interested. Uh, find somebody else. And uh, and that was it. And then, of course, there were some issues at the convention uh, in May of 2016 that, that uh, changed his mind. That changed his mind, and he felt that it was important for him to get into the race because um, uh, he was concerned with the direction that the party seemed to be going on a number of important family issues. Okay, I have to just for for Anthony's sake uh, to because they couldn't hear uh, Jessica. Jessica was merely saying that under no circumstances would Brad Trost 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 Trost. I'll get it sooner. Um, you know what it is. I have trout on the brain. Yes. Uh, it's that time of year. Anyway, she was saying that there, under no circumstances did she think that Brad would leak anything or do anything unethical. And she called in support of Brad. And thank you very much for that, Jessica. We tend, I, I know I certainly tend to agree with that. And I know that Joseph does too for the reasons he's already stated. All right. Well, that pretty much brings us to the top of the hour. Um, I want to thank you very much for coming in. It's always a pleasure talking to you. There is a lot we could go sit here and go on for hours and yeah. hours and hours. But next time, promise me something. Let's let's do something uncontroversial. I'd like to spend maybe half an hour, you know, having some fun. Maybe we'll wait till the Christmas season or something like that and talk about Christmas stories. I, I don't have oh, a whole lot of Christmas gonna, stories myself. Gonna, but, wait a minute. <laughs> there's a problem here. No, uh, no, no. I love Christmas carols. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about our favorite Christmas carols. Oh, good luck. You know what we should do that is, is plan some kind of just fun show and just kick it back. Cause, look, it's I only get one show a week, so i got to okay. cram a whole week's worth of stuff into one two-hour slot. You can talk but, to me about trout fishing. Well, at least we're not trost fishing. Yes. <laughs> True enough. Fair enough. Uh, thank you again, Joseph. It's My been pleasure. a pleasure. Uh, so, for those of you on Facebook, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, take a little uh, bathroom break, and I'll see Joseph out the door. And when we come back, we'll get into a whole lot more shooting in Virginia and a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, so stick around. We'll be back right after this.
So Nick is reloading and taking a much-needed break. Not that he needs one. But maybe it's a good thing. So if you want to fire him off an email, just uh, send it to Nick at LateNightCouncil.com. That's simple, huh? Nick at LateNightCouncil.com. Or better yet, call now. Hey, I know he can talk forever, but you know what? If you're doing talk radio, you love the calls. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390 for the Capital Region. And if you can't get through on that line or you live far, far, far away, like we're talking about Alaska, 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-562-4766. Now, our call service is automated. You won't be talking to a live person until you're live on air. Don't sweat it. Just follow the prompts and while you're on hold and, and you'll be fine. night does not exist without advertisers so if you want to buy time you contact either myself jc at late or you can contact nick if you're more comfortable with him and of course i certainly understand that you can contact nick at late the ads are like really really cheap i mean you're gonna you're gonna love them okay you're, you're, we've, we've made them quite accessible Feedback is always welcome. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And thanks for tuning in. Now, back to Nick at Night. All right, welcome back. I certainly hope you enjoyed that conversation with Joseph. I know I did. He's a very, very uh, experienced uh, I'm trying to think of the right, I don't want to say, how do I put it, political animal? No, no, no. Um, he's, he he knows what he's talking about. He does a great job. Obviously, he was uh, had a large part in getting Brad to this number four spot, far, far more influential than anyone ever thought that Brad would be. And to have him in our neighborhood and be able to draw on him when it's important, when it matters, or for things like this, um, uh, it's just wonderful. So with that said, I want to change gears a little bit. And um, there's a couple things I want to talk about. First of all, um, this shooting down in Virginia. Now, I had it here. Maybe it was on Facebook. There are um, people who are trying to uh, already, I was listening to some commentary um is that what I'm looking for? Some commentary on um, this whole thing about Brad, um, not Brad Trust. Oh, come on. It's on the tip of my tongue. Shooting down in, in Virginia, um, I'm what I'm doing, I'm, I'm stumbling around because I'm looking for a particular topic I had queued up. 
there were 15 times uh, someone had someone in the um, in the entertainment world, you know, from the left. Let's put it that way, from the progressive left, have called for violence uh, since Trump has been elected. And I was looking for that list, and I thought I had it queued up, and now I'm having trouble finding it. So that's why I'm struggling with that. Maybe I can Google it real fast. Uh, Fifteen times. And I was reading it earlier. And let's see what comes up. Uh, okay, well, this one isn't the story I had earlier. It says there's 20 times. And I'm just going to scroll down and see if I can find... Okay. Anyway, uh, here's a list of some of the times that uh, the left has has, uh, called for violence against Republicans. Now, the reason why this is important is because if you've noticed since Mr. Trump's victory, and whether you, you know what, it's getting to a point now, it doesn't even matter anymore whether you like the guy or not. The reaction to his victory is so over the top that I think that the media has to take uh, some responsibility. Now, not all. I'm not saying that they, they were the one. They, they're the only reason this gentleman, gentleman this guy called James Hodg- Hodgkins, uh, took a rifle and started shooting at Republican and uh, Republican uh, politicians in the United States who were, who were in the midst of how do you practice for a charity softball game? I don't know. But, you know, they're on a baseball diamond, throwing a ball around, having some fun, and all of a sudden gunfire opens up and five people ended up wounded and, and the gun and the uh, uh, shooter ends up dead. And they have to take some responsibility for this because they're the ones who created the climate for this in the first place. So just that's why I was looking for this particular, oh, excuse me, uh, for these particular instances, and some of them are like um, Kathy Gifford holding up the head of, uh, you know, uh, 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 come on, what am I trying to say? Kathy Gifford mock, uh, holding up a, a, a uh, facsimile. The, you know, she'd be, she made like she had beheaded Trump and was holding this, this dummy head up covered in blood uh, as if that was okay, promoting violence against the president of her own country. And she didn't seem to see any connection between that and what people might interpret her to be saying it. Then there was the um, uh, Shakespearean play about the death of Julius Caesar that made it look like a a Trump assassination. There have been politicians like Robert De Niro saying, I want to punch him in the face. There's, you know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff out there that the media and the, the, uh, the mainstream entertainment crowd uh, have to take account, have to be, uh, held accountable for. They're the ones that created this climate in the first place. This isn't about gun culture. If they were decrying gun culture, why don't they ever say anything about Chicago? There are 43 shootings over the weekend in Chicago. Or just yesterday, sorry, just yesterday in Chicago. Why don't they ever, you know, where's where's that conversation there? Oh, they can't do that because Republicans have no say in that. That's been democratically democratically controlled for decades. It's Obama's home state or a city in his home state. Anyway, 
So I certainly think that there is a place here where we have um, they they need to they need to step up and they, step up. They need to be held accountable for what they've been saying because words have powers. I've been watching a lot of Jordan Peterson lately, and I've occasionally posted a few of his uh, links. He doesn't do very many short ones, and I don't like running clips longer than three or four minutes because. It's, you know, it's my show, not theirs. And I also think that if you, you get over two or three minutes, people tend, tend to uh, tune out and say, well, you know, it sounds... Um, oh, I'm sorry. It was Griffin, not Gifford. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much, Anthony, pointing that out. Um, I want to make sure I attribute the, the, uh, the activity to the right person. But, um, yeah, Griffin was the one that held up the, the fake head of... of uh, of Donald Trump, as if it was some kind of trophy. Anyway, so um, they can't just expect to be able to go around and say this stuff in a vacuum like it doesn't matter. Uh, as Jordan Peterson points out, words have power. Words are really the only way we have of affecting change in our society. Because when you stop, as the old saying, when tool, tool boys stop talking... The fighting's about to start, and the fighting is a collapse of, of uh, social discourse. Not you know, it, it's not what you want to end up at. It's not where you. It's not a road you want to go down unless you absolutely have no choice. So, for them to be thinking that they can say this stuff and not have somebody say, "What did you say? Did you really mean that?" Because words are how we convey feeling. They, uh, you know, attitudes, uh, everything comes from because human beings are verbal, unlike horses, which are nonverbal. Okay, now there's a lot of body language that goes on. I get that. But prim primarily, if you and I, um, we can communicate through a, uh, let's say if you and I were standing on either side of a fence, all right, and I can't see you, you can't see me. We could still communicate, talk back and forth, and even develop a friendship, even though we never see each other. Heck, we could do that. We've done that for years on the phone. Okay, there, there's there's a way that we have that ability to communicate verbally, and that's where a lot of power lies in your effectiveness as a communicator. So these people who specialize in this, who are the ones who go out and make movies and and just perform music and and you know are the arts and the culture of our society who expect to be taken seriously when they do a particular song or perform in a movie, you know, something like that, they cannot then step out of that and say, well, I'd like to punch, uh, uh, punch uh, Trump in the face. And that's almost a direct quote right out of Robert De Niro's mouth. Now, I like Robert De Niro's work as an actor, but I'm not so sure I like his political point of view because what good... Never mind... The, just the plain silliness of that comment, what possible good would it do to punch Donald Trump in the face? Even if he was, you know, do you think you're going to change his mind? You see, this is where the where you run into problems when, if you're in, into a Facebook argument, people begin to start uh, making comments about, um, you start talking back and forth, and one side begins to lose. Then they start getting into gutter talk. Then they start getting into name calling. Then they start call, trying to label you things. 
And then they start, you know, I'm going to find you and beat you up. Well, that's when you know you've won the fight, verbally. Because when they get to that point, they've got nothing left. So what good would it do then, whether it's Trump or anybody else, to physically assault them? You've already lost, if that's the case. If the only thing you have left in your arsenal is physical violence, then you're done already. So when Al Al Pacino, when uh, Robert De Niro says, I'd like to punch Trump right in the face, he's admitting he's got nothing left to say. What can he say? If If that's his only answer, then Trump wins. He's won the argument because there is he can't think of a counter of a counter argument that's compelling enough to make the president change. In this case, Donald Trump change his mind. And it's true of anybody. Like, do you really think as much as I despise uh, David Suzuki and Al Gore? OK. I would never condone violence against them because I think I well. Even if I didn't have any arguments left, there's lots of people I don't agree with that I can't think of a better argument for. But I don't go around saying I'm going to punch him in the face just because I got nothing left to say. Sometimes you have to admit the other guy won the fight. But as much as I don't like with with David Suzuki and Al Gore, um, you know, I would never I don't condone violence against anybody. And I certainly wouldn't do it in this case, not only because I'm not a violent man. But the other reason is I still have plenty to say. I still have lots of ammunition in my quiver, you know, lots of arrows in my quiver that I could engage them with in a conversation if I thought they were going to listen. And yet that's not the case in this particular instance. All right. You guys hang on right there. I've got to do some of this. And when I get this done, we'll be back with more right after this. Ron Barr, General Manager and CEO of the Greater Ottawa Truckers Association, the voice of independent truckers in the Ottawa area and proud supporters of Nick at Night. Every day we go to work to help build a better eastern Ontario, and safety is our top priority. Every start of the shift, our drivers perform inspections on their truck, so we ensure that our drivers go home to their families each night, and you, the public, have confidence that the big truck beside you is safe. If you have any issues relating to any size truck, I encourage you to contact me at 613-738-1639. Let's build a better, fatality-free Ottawa together. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspect distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. Okay, 343-700-4390 is the number you can give us a call at. Um, if you want to join in the conversation, I'm keeping an eye on on, um, on Facebook Live as well. 
And I certainly hope you're enjoying the Facebook Live episodes. We're still working on a few things. We want to dress up the studio a little bit, and we want to, uh, you know, um, try to make the experience more enjoyable for you. It's an ongoing. I'm, I'm always thinking about different things I can do and try and stuff like that. So we're working on uh, a few more things. I've, um, I, I think, I, whatever. I've got some ideas. Let's put it that way. Uh, but if you've got any ideas, don't be afraid to float them. Um, uh, I'm always looking for more input about the show and about what how it how it works and what you'd like to see, because without you guys, there's not much point doing this. All right. Although I can, well, no, I don't need. If I'm doing this alone, I can do it in the car. <laughs> the car already know already knows my political points of view. However, all right. With that, I wanted to. Um, where did it go now? See, I normally you guys have me. Uh, where did it go? Where did it go? No, no, no. Um, okay, Jordan Peterson, yeah. Oh, I know what it was. Kathleen Wynn, yes. Kathleen Wynn. How can we forget our friend Kathleen? Now, she swears up and down um, that there will be no early election. And you know what? I don't know. On one hand, I want one because she's got to go. She simply has to go. But on the other hand, I don't know that the conservatives here in Ontario are ready for this. There's too many problems within the Conservative Party of Ontario to be able to run, not only run a campaign, but then to follow up and run a government. I just think there's there, there's no difference. No, not, there's no difference between the... Uh, Provincial conservatives and the provincial liberals. So do we want to go early? I don't think so. But here's another reason why um, this woman is delusional. Now, um, what's funny is when you do the reading on this particular topic, you find out that even the union admits this is a, a play for votes. Okay, And what she's done is she's already done something similar like this with the teachers, but now she's offering public service servants uh, and their unions, uh, excuse me, the unions that, how do I phrase this? Public servants in the Ontario government represented by unions have been offered a 7.5% raise over the next several years. Now, I don't know about you, but I cannot remember, even in the private sector, as Dr. Ian Lee will tell you, the economist from uh, Carleton University, um, wages are rising at about 1% or 2% a year. So to have somebody who's already making, on average, about 13%, according to the Fraser Institute, about 13% more than their private sector counterpart, uh, to offer them a 7.5% increase in their already generous compensation package. And if you don't think working for the provincial government is generous... Uh, has a generous um, uh, package to go with it, then you've not been paying attention. Now, I'm not knocking the people who work in the in in the government. Um, it's not they're they're not the ones who write the contracts. Uh, you know, so I'm not whole. It's it's not them. I have a problem with it's. There's two groups I have a problem with. One is the unions for making some of the demands they make, and two, the government for offering them in the first place. All right. Well, here's part of the story. Ontario is offering public servants. 
a four-year contract extension with 7.5% raises, which, if ratified... Now, let me stop there. Do you really think they're going to they're gonna not ratify this? I mean, given the opportunity, would you take a 7.5% raise no matter what you're making? Because remember, because it's a... So somebody making 100,000... Well, 7.5% raise is good money. It's a good, a good increase no matter what you're, you're making. So, of course, they're going to ratify it. It would avoid possible contentious bargaining before the next provincial election. The Ontario Public Service Employees Union workers would get 1.5% on July 1st, then 1% on January 2019, and another 1% every six months for the life of the deal. Most of it, of course, is back-end loaded, which means that you won't see the bulk of it until, guess when? You got it after the next election. Now, the kind of stuff that drives me out of my mind is that she, her logic, you know why her logic? I think it says this later in the story. I'm not going to bother to read it. But her logic is, well, we balance the budget. So we must have money to spend. That's like saying, look, I got checks left in my, in my checkbook. I could keep writing checks. It's not the number of checks in your checkbook that matters. It's the amount of money in your bank account that you're writing those checks on that matters. And that's about $32.5 billion less than you, you know, there's a $32.5 billion hole, uh, maybe not this year, but next year, and the year after that is projected to be that again. Just because you balance the budget doesn't mean you've got money. All it means is you have enough income to be able to cover the, the cost of running the government. I mean, can you imagine if your spouse said to you, sweetheart, look. My credit card balance. I made the payment this month. I can go and spend more money. Even though you're paying 29% interest or whatever the rate is now, 21. So it, this kind of logic is enough to just make you go around and pull your hair out. And it never seems to fail that uh, they don't understand. I don't, I don't I, how do I put this? I don't think for a moment that she doesn't get it. I think she gets it, but she doesn't care. I mean, if you're in Kathleen Wynne's shoes, first of all, no matter what your numbers are, she's come out and flatly said, I am not going anywhere. I am going to lead this party into the next election. And I hope she does. I hope she does. Because if she's leading it, there's a very good chance she's going down in flames. Now, let's not tell her that. Well, you know what? Coming from us, she wouldn't believe us anyway. But she's got it in her head that she is not only going to lead the party, but she's going to win. And she's going to win by bribing us with her own money. Take a look at your power bills. You know, oh, we're going to save you 25% of your power bills. Yeah, till after the next election. And then what happens? It goes through the roof. There was a, I forget who wrote it, but there was an editorial piece in one of the papers recently within the last week that said, take the money and run. You know, take the don't argue with her uh, about uh, about the rebate. Take the twenty five percent and vote against her anyway. It's the best revenge. So at least there's a little bit of a reprieve, and then if you throw throw her out, the problem we have is who do we replace her with? Because Patrick Brown has no plan. Andrea Horwath likes the plan, and the Liberals we know what they're going to do. They've already told us. So we are really in a pickle here. However, in the short term at least, 
take the money and run. But this is the kind of mentality. It's like I love that quote by Einstein. The kind, the, the kind of mind that created the problem will never be the mind that solves it. We have a huge problem in this province, and it's not just hydro, and it's not just e-health, and it's not just you run down all the different scandals, sex ed and all that stuff. It's not just it. It's all of it. There is a culture here of mismanagement and corruption, um, uh, nepotism, um, you know, um, all this stuff. There is a culture out there that makes sure uh, that just seems to be, I don't even know how to put it. They thrive on trying to break the bank. It's like a little kid with a plastic hammer beating on a China piggy bank. Wailing away, knowing, doing everything he can to break that piggy bank with that little plastic hammer. The trouble is, in our case, it's a tiny little piggy bank and a great big hammer on a heavy anvil, and they've already smashed it. Now they're just grinding it into dust. So it's one of these situations where you just got to go, oh, man, how many more times do we have to put up with this? Well... Until we come up with a viable alternative, we are stuck with it, and it doesn't matter what color flies off the masthead down there at Queen's Park. Because one way or the other, we are going to get it. All right, I want to shift gears a little bit, and maybe shift back towards uh, a little bit more about Father's Day. I've got a song here by Aaron Tippin, and in it, uh, let me see if I can find it on Facebook first. Let's go here. It's called uh, You Gotta Stand for Something, and it's a great song. Um, every time I, I hear that song, I think of my dad. Um, uh, now, there's a question I ask. Where did it go? I had it. Really? Okay. Anyway, he says, uh, well, where the heck did it? Oh, here it is. Okay. So I just, when I posted this, I had only just, I was listening to it while I was posting it, and he makes a sign. He makes a comment about you've got to, uh, uh, to defend the family name. Okay, that's one of the most important things is your family name. I wonder how many of us think our family name is worth defending. Have you ever considered that? Stop and think about this. Your family name, your last name, isn't just about you. It's about generations of people, literally Thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of people stretching back into the mists of time who have worn that name before you. When you step out your door, you represent all of them and everything they ever did and all the good things that they stand for. Now, in this particular song, which I'm going to play here in a minute, um, it points that out, that it one of the reasons why you need to defend your family name is because it identifies you in a way nothing else can so i just i'm curious uh how much does your last name mean to you whether it's smith or jones or whatever it is you know um because sometimes i think we 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 don't really think in those kind of terms anymore. Uh, like there used to be a time that was everything, as Aaron points out in the song. And today, I don't know if people even give that a second thought. 
Does it ever cross your mind? And I know the older I get, the more often um, that kind of thing, I, when I think, especially as we get around Father's Day, we just passed the anniversary of his passing. We buried him on June 6th uh, in 1983, so he's been gone for a while. But um, he's been on my mind a lot in the last few weeks. He's always there to some degree. You know, I always think back, okay, what would Dad have done? Or, you know, how did he handle this? And, and see if see if I can draw any lessons from that. But he was one of those guys that really, uh, you know, was very proud of his family name and its history. And I wonder, is that something from a bygone era that nobody ever gives any thought to? But the more I think about it, the more valuable I realize that it is. Because you only get one name. Now, you could change it. It's legally possible. And as hard as mine is to say or spell, I'm not changing mine. And I like, you know what? I I like it. it I, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of attached to it. But anyway, the point, I just wanted to raise that with you and see if there's anybody else out there who is thinking along the same lines as I am. Um, how much does your last name mean to you? I mean, we all have first names, Fred, Joe, Bob, Susan, Jane, whatever it is, right? But the last name, that's the one that sets you apart. So I, I think it's maybe we're, we're missing something here. Maybe we should pay more attention. And when we go out in the world, conduct ourselves in ways that reflect well on the people who went before us who wore our names. You know, like when I, when I go out, I, I try to present myself the best I can. Uh, I try to be, you know, a gentleman whenever I, you know, if it's old classic um, um, chivalry, I suppose. Um, although in the days of the automatic door, it's mighty hard. <laughs> there's occasionally, uh, there's occasionally, uh, I get an opportunity to open a door for, there was a lady coming out of Tim Hortons the other day, and uh, I was just going in. I was going to need coffee or whatever it was. And I grabbed the door and I opened it. And it took her by surprise. And she went, oh. And kind of startled. And I said, no, it's okay. I'm just holding the door. Oh. She kind of looked at me funny and then smiled and walked off. I don't know how many people even do that anymore. In the days of the automatic door, like I said, it's not always easy. All right. With that, I have to play another couple of commercials. And then I'll give you Aaron Tippin's rendition of um, You've Got to Stand for Something. So you stay right there, and we'll be right back. Taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays, and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them Council sent you. That'll make them smile. 
Ron Barr, General Manager and CEO of the Greater Ottawa Truckers Association, the voice of independent truckers in the Ottawa area and proud supporters of Nick at Night. Every day we go to work to help build a better eastern Ontario, and safety is our top priority. Every start of the shift, our drivers perform inspections on their truck, so we ensure that our drivers go home to their families each night, and you, the public, have confidence that the big truck beside you is safe. If you have any issues relating to any size truck, I encourage you to contact me at 613-738-1639. Let's build a better, fatality-free Ottawa together. I just noticed something. <laughs> I've played that that uh, bumper music before, but you know what it's called? <laughs> Think of the way that song introduces itself, right? With drums. The song is called Creeping Up the Backstairs. <laughs> yeah, sure, beating on a drum. All right. Okay. So this is Aaron Tippin. This is for all you fathers out there who do your best every day to be a real man and to raise your family properly and be that inspiration that all of us look for. Well, that's not going to work. Hang on a second. I thought this worked before, and now I'm having trouble getting it to work. All right, well... Let me see one more try. If I can make that work. Nope. Now, Daddy didn't like trouble, but if it came alone. Everyone that knew him knew it side that he'd be on. He never was a hero or this county shining light. But you could always find him standing up for what he thought was right. He'd say you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You've got to be your own man, not a puppet on the screen. Compromise what's right and uphold your family name. You've got to stand for something or you fall for anything. Now we might have been better off or on the bigger house. If daddy done more giving in or a little more backing down. But we always had plenty Just to live in his advice Whatever you do today You'll have to sleep with tonight He'd say you've got to stand for something Or you'll fall for anything You've got to be your own man Not a puppet on the spring Never compromise what's right And a Yeah. 
they were in daddy's day. But I still believe what makes a man really has a chance. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You've got to be your own man, not a puppet on the string. Never compromise what's right and uphold your family name. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall All right, sorry about that. I was trying to make that work, and for some reason, uh, my clip machine wouldn't work the way it was supposed to. So I've got to make a couple of adjustments here. There we go. All right, we should be back to normal. Okay. Okay, all right. Now, there's an interesting piece in the, uh, over at Bork.com. Art of Climate Change Study Cancelled Because of <laughs> Because of Climate Change. Well, why else would you change this? <laughs> why else would you change it? All right, a multi-million dollar study on the impact of climate change was sent to was set to take place. Excuse me just a second, I gotta blow this up because my eyes are old. There we go. Was set to take place. Where did it go? I'm, I'm too, yeah. Uh, in the Hudson, in Hudson's Bay, but had to be canceled. You guessed it, due to climate change. The study entitled "The Bay Bay SYS" is a seventeen million dollar four year long program headed by the University of Manitoba. It was planning to conduct the third leg of his research by sending forty scientists from five Canadian universities out into the bay on the Canadian research icebreaker Edmondson to study contributions of climate change and regulation on the Hudson's Bay system. The Amundsen, operated by the Canadian Coast Guard and a collaboration of Arctic universities, had to be deployed early because of severe ice conditions off the coast of Newfoundland and the Strait of Belle Isle. The, the scientists tried to work with, uh, work with the ship schedule to push their study ahead, but by tagging along on, on it while it went to help in the heavy ice plaguing eastern Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it became very clear to me that became clear to me very quickly they weren't just heavy ice conditions these were unprecedented ice levels now okay i'm having a lot of fun with this and as you can imagine why uh, <laughs> oh my god remember we're supposed to be <clears throat> causing global warming, right? And all the ice caps are supposed to be melting. And oh my God, the seawater, the sea level is going to rise. Except, except there's a lot more ice than they were expecting. Now, this is June we're talking about. It's not the depths of January. <laughs> I don't know. Does anybody else think that's funny? You have a climate change. It's you remember a couple of years ago, there was I think he was from Britain. A guy decided with all that open water because of global warming, he was going to get in, his, in a kayak 
You remember that? He was going to get in his kayak, and he was, oh, man, he was on his way to the North Pole, and he was doing all his paddling stuff. <laughs> he couldn't get within 600 miles. <laughs> he was too thick. <laughs> you know, I love it when reality smacks these, these people in the side of the face, and yet they still will not admit it. They still won't say, boy, uh, we sure got that wrong. At least we'd be a moment of intellectual honesty, wouldn't it? Now, there are people out there like the David Suzuki's and the Al Gore's of the world who have far too many, too much political, maybe even economic capital wrapped up in the whole idea of man-made global warming to ever admit that they're wrong. But what about the average guy? Okay, what if you're a scientist out of Manitoba? You, you you gotta live indoors your whole life up there to think that there's any truth to this. Or at least that we're having any kind of impact on the climate. And yet here we have a story, and I love this story. Uh just <laughs> they're up there. The, uh, let me read a little more. The ice was creating havoc in the area, puncturing hulls, causing some boats to sink and freezing other boats in place. This sounds like the Franklin expedition for crying out loud. All right. Barber said that there were numerous search and rescue operations requiring helicopters taking place multiple times a day. The team quickly saw that because Canada has limited icebreakers and the situation was so dire, there were no other alternatives to canceling their mission. Guess what, guys? You just figured out something. Now, you haven't been able to actually utter the words. And they show what's really funny is they show what looked like fishing trawlers. In the middle of pack ice. Oh, wait. The caption is, it is fishing strollers. And the uh, fishing boat stuck in the Arctic ice off the coast of Newfoundland. Okay. Here are these guys uh, out there stuck in this ice. And they're the ones that have to be rescued, or at least some of them. So <laughs> so stuck between a, some ice and a hard place, the team called it and went home. That said, the scientists, being scientists and all that, managed to conduct science on the sea ice, which was causing him so much ire. What Barber, who has studied ice for 30 years, found was worrisome. Oh, let's hear this. It was clear that from the Arctic, I just needed to be among the ice to see it. What was also clear to me was that climate change has caused this event to happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's just not the kind of climate change you were counting on. <laughs> Oh, man, you know, I guess the fact this, you know, what kind of world do you have to live in to be that isolated from reality? Now, I'm being, I'm having a lot of fun with this. Let's let's be honest. I'm having a blast with this. But really, you you had to. You go out there, there's way more ice than you thought there was going to be. You got boats sinking all around you. You got helicopters rushing off to save people from ice because it's way too thick and too plentiful. And your conclusion is that man-made global warming is responsible for this? Did it ever cross your mind, even for a second, that maybe, maybe it's not the problem we thought it was? In fact, it might be the opposite. That is not getting warmer. It's getting colder. And that's why we have more sea ice now in June than we did last year or the year before or the year before that. You see, if you would take a 
if you if you if you're studying something on a geological clock time scale, all right. Let's say you want to look at the, uh, oh, I don't know, um, the drift of the continents. Do you do that over ten years, twenty years to look at it over that long, and take measurements and say, oh well, here we have come to the conclusion based on this evidence. You could, I suppose, but how reliable would it be? Because to get that right, you have to look at it over 150, 200, 300, 400, 500 million years. You can't take just a teeny tiny little slice and say, here, we have it all figured out now. Aren't we smart? No, you're a blithering idiot. Because you haven't figured out yet that, believe it or not, you're not right. You, you, you know, you're missing something. When they use uh, when they when they try to um, do things like talk about um, uh, things like ice core samples, I had a friend of mine who studies ice and freezing and all that stuff. He's an engineer; he's been an engineer for years, like fifty years. Um, and he used to study. He he designed the Calgary ice making machines for the Calgary Winter Winter Olympics back in 1988. Um, Jeff is, is one of the most brilliant engineering minds I've ever encountered. And he was telling me why core, ice core samples are not reliable. He says, first of all, ice isn't formed overnight. It's snow that falls on, you know, one snowflake on top of the air piles up. And over time, the weight turns the snow to ice. He says, well, in that ice, you have air bubbles or captured atmosphere, right? And as the snow falls on it and gets heavier, it puts pressure that's what turns the snow to ice. He said, on that little capsule of air, you have a certain amount of carbon dioxide and moisture. And when you put those under pressure, it changes the carbon dioxide gas to carbonic acid. And what that does, it changes how much carbon dioxide is still left in that little package of air. That's maybe 115,000, 20,000 years old, depending on how old the ice is you're drilling into. It changes, it directly and dramatically affects how much is left to sample because the rest of it got turned into carbonic acid. So it's not reliable. We have no way of knowing what the original amount was. All we have now is carbonic acid and what's left of the carbon dioxide that wasn't used up in that chemical process. So you can throw your carbon dating out of, you know, your carbon samples based on ice cores out the window. They're meaningless. And this is just another, and I'm no scientist. This is just a guy who studies this stuff, explaining it in simple layman's terms that even a guy like me can understand. <sighs> anyway, so it's it's just fun to be able to point this stuff out. And the headline, and I, the headline got me, Art of Climate Change Study Cancelled Because of Climate Change. I mean, yeah, well, that wasn't all that hard to figure out. Now, the, the Trudeau government... Um, let's see, where did it go? You're right here. No, it was there. They were, they, they're going to, the U.S. Marines wanted to buy, uh, U.S. Marine Corps is going to buy 80, 80, um, Super Hornets. And for the same money we're going to spend on, no, how did it go? I can't find that article now. Hmm. All right, anyway, I have to run a couple of commercials, so you guys stay right there. I'll be right back with more after this.
For 17 years, I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches. But fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them Council sent you. That'll make them smile. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. All right, let's uh, end the show on one of my favorite topics. That is the United Nations because they're at it again. And you know something? I don't know what it is about this organization that just drives me nuts. Maybe it's complete lack of uh, competence. Uh, it's complete the the double standard. Just everything about it just drives me crazy. Ultimately, though, it comes down to their interference in in the internal affairs of member states. So UNICEF has decided that we are not treating our children well enough. Oh boy, aren't we just the most horrible people? Because we all know that the United Nations is such a uh, moral, morally sound and, and solid organization that uh, when they speak, we should not only jump but say, how high and when do you want me to land? Uh, here's a little bit of the story. Canada ranks 37th on a list of 41 rich countries for children having access to enough nutritious food and higher than average rates of child homicide and teen suicide and also points to a need that points to a need for action, a UNICEF report says. Over 22% of Canadian children live in poverty and most issues related to kids showed no improvement or worsened during the last decade. The mental health of Canadian teens has been declining with 22% of adolescents reporting symptoms more than once a week, said the report released Wednesday. Canada ranked 31st to the, for the teen suicide rate, and so on, and so on, and so on. Frankly, I couldn't care less what the United Nations has to say. Uh, they mean absolutely nothing to me. I certainly don't. Um, I don't, I, I just, when they start talking, I stop listening. It's really that simple. I have no interest, no interest at all in listening to anything that they have to say. They're not here. Their their job, originally what their job was, was to solve the world's problems so we didn't have to go to war anymore. Remember that? When we established the UN, and Winston Churchill was a big fan of the UN, one of my heroes, he wanted a place where diplomats could meet hammer out the differences without having to draw the sword to do it. Who could argue with things like that? Who could argue with that that kind of mentality? Well, that's not what, even if that was its original intent, it never even came close. The closest we ever got to that 
was when Lester Pearson won the Nobel Peace Prize for the for the um, Suez Canal situation when he used peacekeepers to to do that. Now I don't believe in peacekeepers when there's no peace to keep. Police keepers are actually called police officers, not soldiers, but that's a whole different debate. So when the UN comes along and they go, oh, you terrible people, you're not treating your people very well. I'll tell you what, the day you go to Iran and tell them to stop throwing homosexuals off top of, off, or hanging homosexuals or throwing them off buildings or stop be, stoning women to death for being raped while in prison, you know, when you can go to Yemen or you can go to um, uh, Saudi Arabia and tell them to stop beheading people for stealing a loaf of bread or whatever horrible crime they commit, then maybe you'll have a moral leg to stand on. Maybe. Until then, we don't need you, we don't want you, we don't like you. Pack your bags and leave. Yet, here we have, there's good old Wonder, wonder Boy, the Wonder King, shaking hands with the head of the U.N., Thinking, yeah, we're terrible. Oh, my God, we're awful. Please forgive me. I want that seat in the Security Council. Please, please. If I give some more money away to somebody who's never going to use it the way I want them to, can you give me a seat on the council, please? That's what it's all about. I mean, it doesn't take rocket scientists to figure out what the heck our young friend uh, up there in uh, on Parliament Hill, who happens to be using uh, the Prime Minister's chair at the moment, you know, it doesn't take a rocket. There's only one area, I will admit, there is a, there is one area that Trudeau's doing a good job with. And I think it's because he's got good diplomats underneath him. It's got not, not got to do too much with his leadership. But that's in dealing with the United States on free trade. If there's any place you can say that there's been a job that's been done and, and we haven't been embarrassed, uh, it's that. Other than that, this administration has been one colossal embarrassment after another. So here we have, going back to the UN again, it's one of those deals where you just, you know what, I don't care even if they're right. And yes, we do have a problem with that stuff. I'm not standing here or sitting here trying to deny that there are, everything's just peachy keen. The, there are some serious issues. I just don't think the UN is the one to tell us about it. I just don't think they have the moral authority to look at any G8 country and say, you horrible people, you treat your aboriginals better. Oh, you're not treating your kids very well. Oh, just... You know what? Mind your own damn business. As a matter of fact, if they're ever foolish enough to make me king for a day, the very first act I would, I would do is yank us the heck out of the UN. Gone. If they get mad at me, so what? <laughs> I'm going fishing. See you later. We need the UN like we need another hole in the head. All right, folks. Thank you very much for being with me this evening. It's been a pleasure to have you. I certainly want to thank my guest again, Joseph Benemy, in the first hour, talking about uh, an important issue uh, because this this kind of thing, the, the issue, of course, was the um, salted uh, the um, what's the voters list that was um, passed around, if I can put it that way. And he explained what was going on and why, uh, you know, what the consequences of that are. So thank you again, Joseph, for coming in and, and making that um, easily understood by the likes of me, for sure. Uh, I know my audience didn't need it explained. They're, not, they're a lot brighter than I am. So um, thank you all very much. 
And with that, I will bid you all a good evening. Good evening. God bless. Don't let anything disturb your peace. And may you have a fair wind and a following sea. I spent it in good company And all the harm I've ever done Alas, it was to none but me And all I've done for want of wit To memory now I can't recall So filled to me the parting glass Good night and joy be to you all. So fill to me the parting glass and drink a health whatever befalls. Then gently rise and softly call. Good night and joy be to you all. Of all the comrades that I had, they're sorry for my going away. And all the sweethearts that I had, they'd wish me one more day to stay. But since it fell,